Welcome to SNC Critical Insights. I'm Melissa Sawyer. I'm the global head of SNC's M&A group, and I'm here today with my M&A and corporate governance partner, Lauren Bumpke. Lauren and I recently did a deep dive into some data about shareholder activism activity in 2021, and we wanted to share some of our findings. We also wanted to highlight a few trends that we think are going to shape this area in 2022. Obviously, the starting point for any discussion about activism in 2021 is ESG because of Engine Number One's wildly successful campaign at ExxonMobil. It made huge headlines in the spring. Engine One was a brand new fund that nobody had ever really heard of, and they basically came out of nowhere and went after four board seats at Exxon. Their campaign thesis was that Exxon was underperforming because it didn't have a long-term renewable energy strategy. And Engine One wanted to push Exxon to reduce its carbon footprint and enhance its climate disclosures. In the end, they won three board seats and a fourth seat turned over in the middle of their campaign. Key to their success was the fact that some big institutional holders like CalSTRS, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street all supported the Engine One campaign. Melissa, do you think other activist funds are going to be able to replicate Engine Number One's success at Exxon? Well, that's obviously the question that a lot of issuers are wondering about, and there continues to be lots of buzz about ESG and ESG topics. It's certainly going to have an impact at a lot of companies' annual meetings, but mostly through the shareholder proposal process rather than shareholder activism. We have seen some rulemaking under the Biden administration that will make it easier for asset managers to vote in favor of ESG-friendly campaign theses. But I don't think issuers need to hit the panic button on this just yet. Engine One's campaign was incredibly expensive. They spent over 5% of their assets under management on that single campaign against Exxon. And I don't think we can expect that a lot of activist funds are going to replicate that sort of expenditure. I also have to say, not all industries are created equal when it comes to vulnerability to ESG activism. Oil and gas companies are obvious targets. But I think tech companies, for example, may be less so. I think it seems likely that we'll see activists using ESG as another avenue to critique management teams and put pressure on boards behind the scenes. But I don't think we'll see a lot of repetition of the Engine 1 Exxon scenario. Lauren, apart from ESG campaign strategies, we also saw activists using a few other interesting avenues of attack in 2021. Can you share a few of those with us? Absolutely. Last year, we mentioned an increase in short selling activity that was targeting individual issuers, and that trend has certainly continued. Short sellers were the most prolific activists this year as far as number of announced campaigns per activist, and they've shown particular interest in SPACs. You know, companies that go public via SPAC transactions may become attractive targets for activists within a few years of going public due to a combination of pressure to meet projections that they disclose during the DSPAC process and going public with less shareholder-friendly governance features. 
Another trend worth noting is activism activity focused on M&A objectives. M&A was a popular economic objective for activists in 2021, which is not surprising given that global M&A deal volume set record highs last year. Activists were especially keen on opposing announced deals, and some also used bumpetrage tactics to improve price terms for sellers. Activism and private equity strategies continued to converge in 2021. By our count, at least 10 companies were the target of attempted takeovers by activists, which in some cases could have been more of a stalking horse tactic to put a company in play for other potential buyers. Okay, so let's say you're an issuer and you're facing an activist that is deploying all of its firepower against you and your board just does not have an appetite for a big fight with the activist, you would probably try to work towards a settlement in that case. So what are those settlements looking like these days, Lauren? Are there any interesting trends there? One of my favorite components of our activism memo is the fact that we do have an in-depth look at activism settlement agreement trends. I'll highlight a few of the more noteworthy ones. The pandemic appears to have influenced the speed in which companies and activists are reaching a settlement. In 2021, almost a third of campaigns settled within only one month of a public campaign announcement, which is significantly faster than in prior years. That doesn't even include the large number of settlements that are reached after only closed door discussions between the issuer and the activist. Another interesting data point is that in 2021, companies were less likely to agree to reimburse an activist's expenses than in prior years, which could be due in part to the shorter campaign lengths we saw. We've also continued to see a trend that insiders placed on boards by prominent activists tend to stay on that board after the settlement agreement expires. We're up to an average of 32 months beyond the initial settlement agreement term, which is the longest period we've seen since we began to track this data a few years ago. This goes to show you that reaching a settlement is really just the beginning of the issuer's relationship with an activist. Melissa, before we wrap up, Are there any other big changes in the activism landscape that we should mention? Yeah, I think there are two legal developments that bear mentioning. First, as you know, the SEC has been very busy under the current administration, and one of their big recent announcements was that they've adopted a mandatory universal proxy card rule. So in other words, the SEC is going to require companies to list activist directors on their proxy cards so that shareholders can mix and match directors from the company slate and the activist slate when they vote. The rule changes impose some new procedural and timing requirements, but those don't come into play until after most issuers have gotten through their 2022 annual meetings. But I think the real question that people are asking themselves is whether this change is going to impact the outcomes in activism proxy contests. And frankly, we just don't know the answer to that yet. I've heard differing views from different proxy solicitors, and I think we have to wait and see how this is going to play out in practice. 
The second development that I would highlight is that the Delaware Supreme Court confirmed that a rights plan that set a 5% trigger threshold to ward off an activist and included an acting in concert concept went too far as a defensive measure. The decision wasn't really a surprise since it was consistent with a lower court ruling, but it has helped to define the bounds of how stridently a board can defend a company against the disruption and so-called short-termism that activists bring to the table. Thanks, Melissa. Looking ahead to 2022, we expect activism activity to remain strong during the next proxy season and beyond, as activism has really proven to be a durable asset class, despite the uncertainty and market volatility resulting from the continuing impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll also be monitoring a number of new legislative and regulatory developments expected to have an impact on proxy contests and activism strategies. Thank you for listening to SNC Critical Insights. For more detail on the trends and legal developments that Melissa and I have discussed today, please check out the 2021 edition of our annual activism memo available on our website, www.sulcrom.com.